Good day, and thanks for listening to the Jeff Casello program. I want to be a little candid uh, today and share some life experiences w- with you. You know, uh, when you're speaking with other people, whether they be friends, uh, casual friends, or family, there seems to be two subjects that are strictly not to be spoken about. One is religion and one is politics. And I recently received a good lesson in humiliation when speaking about both religion and politics. You see, I find that uh, many of us today that for whatever reason, when they speak so lovingly about our country or about the subjects at hand concerning minority groups, groups in the news, politics in the news, economics in the news. We speak strongly about this to others. And there are times where we speak too strongly. Instead of toning it down, we turn it up. We come on strong and not everybody believes in the same things that, for example, that I believe in so strongly. We all have our lives. We're all affected in different ways, whether on a day-to-day basis, individually or collectively. But I find that when speaking to those around us, sometimes it's better to speak little and listen more. To allow the other person to actually speak and not to talk over them. If you notice, whether it be in sports, politics, economics, you see those that are on the television that actually ask a question and then turn around and speak over the other person because they don't agree with them. We hear that more and more. Instead of giving that person the time to speak their thought, it is interrupted and talked over. You probably have heard this in the grocery stores, on the telephone, and especially on the TV, the radio waves, and wherever you get your information. This seems to be a growing problem in our society. When I don't agree, I talk over you. I don't allow you to finish your sentence. I interrupt. I've become somewhat callous in the respect that I don't wish to listen to these people that do that. I have to believe that each person has and is entitled to their own opinion, whether it be right in my eyes or whether it be wrong. And I'm learning 
and I hope you have the same thoughts where you learn to take a back seat and be quiet and let that person finish their sentence. But all too many times, and I recently have heard sportscasters do this, where not only do they shout and cut the other person off, but they begin to berate them. And all this cause is more anger, more strife. And it seems as though many of us feed off of this very premise, which is sad. Now, you and I have heard so many times of being a more tolerant society. But so many times these words are empty and useless. And the only thing one can do is, is to take care of themselves first and to be quiet. You know, biblically it says, be quiet and know that I am the Lord. And I find now that this little voice inside of me is telling me to be more quiet, to listen more, and when faced with questions about our society, economics, political, that many times it's better to ask the question than upon answering the question and providing some information, but to do it in a respectful manner. You and I have been taught what's right and what's wrong, what manners are. And I must believe that berating someone, calling them names, not agreeing with them, swearing at them, talking over them, really show how shallow of a person you are. And that's not truly what you are. So consider this and think about this. Take the time to let the other person say what they want to say. Now, in the case they say something that offends you by swearing or personally attacking you, then it's time to let them know and to move on. For no one wants to be berated in that way or to speak with someone that can use only terrible language and attack you personally as a person, whether they know you or not. And in closing, one thing I found to be very, very easy. 
if there's something I don't like on television or on the radio, then I just turn it off. Life's too short. And stress is very great in today. What is very important is family, friends, loved ones, and those that you have common bonds with. Take my advice. Don't tear them down for the sake of you thinking that you are always right. Be quiet and know I am the Lord. I was recently listening to the Peter Schiff show, global economist, a very wise man. And he brought up all of the cabinets that he would rid of. I'm in full agreement with what he's saying that there are a lot of cabinets that we should rid of. It just seems as though the United States government that every time they get involved, they step in their own mess kit. I can look no further than the post office. And I ran upon a, an article about all of the taxes that we pay and all of the taxes at the turn of the century that have added on upon us, marriage taxes, fishing taxes, uh, licenses, uh, marriage licenses, um, hunting license, uh, driving license. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of the amount of licenses and the amount of money. But like my wife has said, where does the money go? Think about it for a second. Are your roads better? Has your cost of food gone down? We all have looming questions in today's society. And individually, we can all wish and hope and hope and wish. Wouldn't it be wonderful to actually have an audit of your local, your state, and your federal government to show where they're actually placing the money, the taxes that you and I pay. It is atrocious in the amount of taxes that we pay. And in all honesty, what do we get for our taxes? Now, if you listen to the folks like Peter Schiff and Gerald Salente, who are very good at prognostications and uh, able to look, I call into the future of trends. They give you information on economically what's going on, on how the stock market in their mind is going to react and how things in the way of money is going to affect you and I. It's interesting to listen to all of these folks and their thoughts. But when it comes right down to it, 
you and I as American people in the middle class, there's not too much we can do about it. If you're a Christian, you and I feel as though we have become the minority. Many have poked fun at us being Christians, whether it be on the airwaves, on the television waves, or whereabouts. Yes, we have ministers who do act like clowns. We have ministers who have a high lifestyle and flaunt it. And we have ministers who preach a lukewarm message so as they don't upset the major tithing donors one way or the other. Seems like it's a lot different than when it was years and years ago. One can look back simply where television was quote unquote wholesome. Where shows like the Andy Griffith show and westerns and I guess Gunsmoke and Roy Rogers and Gene Autry where young boys had actual heroes and young ladies were young ladies. Yes, we can all dream, we can all think, and several generations later, we have, and we have become, as a Christian, a minority. I guess one could say we're right is wrong and wrong is right in today's society. So the question is, what do we do? How do we fight? How do we stand for God? And how do we stand as a majority? Well, I'm at a, uh, I, I, I wanna bring this question up to you. We have various sects, whether it's the and that's S-E-C-T-S, whether they be Presbyterians, United Methodists, Lutherans, Baptists. And I'm sure I've left out several. But whatever particular part of the Christian sect that you belong to, the question arises, why does there seem to be so much inner fighting within that sect? The issues are clear, whether it be homosexuality, lesbianism, transgenderism, bisexual, queer, Tithing, money, expenditures, the death penalty, 
the Ten Commandments. We have pastors that promote or accept many of these subjects. We have men and women under the minister that nod their heads. We have many in the congregation that when the sermon begins at 1130, that it will promptly end at 12 o'clock and not a minute later. Or else they'll go to a different church where they promptly get out at 12 o'clock or a little bit before. We have come where division has done a wonderful job in our churches. Think about it and think about your own church. I'll just take the United Methodist Church on homosexuality ministers, homosexual ministers or gay ministers, whether they be male or female. Three of the churches here in the Midlands of South Carolina have left United Methodism because they're taking a stand against homosexual ministers or I should say gay. Abortion being another major topic. So I gather I uh, ask you, what is your minister of the church that you're going to? Where does he stand or she stand on these issues? Do they talk about the issues? Because again, the issues that I've named are nothing new. They're in the Bible. Tithing is a sensitive issue to many. I gather to those that it affects, the many that it affects, uh, pastors, would rather tiptoe around money. And my thought is, is that biblically tithing is a very important issue. And I must ask you as a Christian, your belief on each of the subjects that I brought up, where you stand, how you stand and when going to church, how others around you stand as a congregation. In today's society, I think it's essential that Christians or the moral majority or whatever the press may wish to call us, best stand as a union and not 
just individually or to allow just a few ministers to get together and promote the opinion of many. It is essential to have, whether it be the Baptist, the United Methodists, the Presbyterians, the Lutherans, those of the cloth to stand together as one voice. Yes, we must love one another and sin is sin. If I were to ask you, which is the greater sin, murder or, or homosexuality, stealing or abortion, uh, adultery or robbing someone or I think you understand where I'm coming from. Jesus used the letter of the law with those Pharisees who were trying to condemn the lady. The lady of the night, so to speak. And Jesus basically put his finger down in the sand and drew a line and said, cast if you're without sin, we're all with sin. We are all sinners. And where I'm going through that is, is yes, we are, we are all sinners, but he has given us the letter of the law. And it seems as though we just can't get the ministers on the same page to speak as one united area on what the Bible says. And again, I don't, it's so interesting because things are thrown up such as, well, that was the Old Testament. And that's what it was, the Old Testament. And it doesn't apply today. Well, according to Jesus, it did. Said he didn't come to destroy the law. Came to fulfill it. So I gather it's real relevant. Laws of yesterday, according to God's laws, should apply each day. And my thought is that each of these laws, if put into what God says, our country would be a lot better. Our country would rid of several problems that we currently have. And instead of receiving the curses of the problems that we presently have, we would receive the blessings. Now, I must say that I would much rather receive the blessings than I would the curses. And in today's society, 
it seems as though the curses are very, very great. The curses that we have fallen under because of our wrongdoings as right is wrong and wrong is right. It's my prayer that Christians band together, try to put aside their misgivings uh, or basically read the Bible and understand what it has to say and come united. It's my prayer that we humble ourselves to God and go before him for his wisdom will be given to all if we only ask for it. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Let's enjoy uh, a bit of laughter. Uh, here's a few clean but hilarious church jokes. Now, don't take offense. Some of these may be corny, but that can cause even more laughter. So I hope you enjoy this. The, the first one has to do with a, uh, a little girl who finally gets to attend a wedding for the first time. While in the church, the girl asked her mother, why is the bride dressed in white? The mother replied to the girl, because white is the color of happiness and it's the happiest day of her life, which is today. After a little bit, the girl looks up at her mom and says, but then why is the groom wearing black? <laughs> or how about this one? Where was Solomon's temple located? On the other side of his head, duh. Or how about after having children, Adam and Eve started getting a lot of questions from their kids about why they no longer lived in Eden. Adam had the simple answer. Your mother ate us out of house and home. <laughs> and uh, during a Sunday school lesson, a child learned about how God created human beings. The child became especially focused when the teacher explained how Eve was created from Adam's ribs. Later in the week, the boy's mother saw him lying down on the floor, so she asked him what was wrong. Here's his reply. Mom, I have a pain in my side. I think I'm getting a wife. In this one, a kindergarten teacher was observing her classroom as the children drew pictures. The teacher occasionally would walk around and see each child's artwork. As she approached one little girl who was working especially hard, she asked what the drawing was. The little girl told her, I'm drawing God. But sweetie, no one actually knows what God looks like. Automatically, the little girl continued drawing and said, well, they certainly will in a minute. Well, I certainly hope that you enjoyed uh, those jokes and most importantly, that you have a wonderful day and a smile on your face. I've, as I believe everybody needs a little bit of humor, a few corny jokes and uh, something to top off maybe 
if you're having a bad day, it might lift you up and that you have a good lift uh, and that you're happy. Until the next podcast, may God be good to you and may you always be good to God. And in all things, give him thanks.